listening to Over the Oxa podcast with Tracy Cole for all things to do with the mind for equestrians. I'd like to turn today to talk about competing. Now, if you're not a competitor, don't worry because a lot of the concepts here absolutely apply for general riding too. So they will resonate with you. And as you'll see, we can use quite a lot of the ideas and techniques, whether we're competing or not. So if we get back to competing then, why do competitions cause so much anxiety for riders of all disciplines and even riders of all levels? And unless you're a professional rider where this is your job and this is what you need to do to earn money, and this is what you need to do to prove to the owners that you are a credible rider and they should continue to pay you, then why do people who are not professional in that way continue to compete if they feel nervous? And can we change how we think about riding and competing? Can we can we change so that we actually add in a bit of enjoyment rather than the relief of having survived by the end of the day? So these kind of questions were the kind of questions that I was asking myself because when I first came to NLP, I wanted the answers. Why on earth did I go out weekend after weekend competing if the best time was when it was all over and done with, I was either having the cheesy chips or I was back in the lorry heading off for home. Why did I continue to do it? Why did I put myself through it? I could have had a really easy day. In fact, I was once just about to go into a round and I was next. The gate was closed and they were about to open the gate for me. And the girl who was after me was just behind me. And she said to me, I think she was talking to me. She might have been talking to herself. Why do we do it? Normal people have normal weekends. Why do we put ourselves through it? And that was kind of like echoing in my mind. Did make me smile though, as I went in for my show jumping round. But it did make me think, why Why on earth am I doing this? Because I don't need it because I'm not riding for money. It's not my job. It's got nothing to do with anything at all to do with, you know, trying to get on in riding. I could set up a course of jumps at home and I could get exactly the same kind of feeling but without the nerves. <laughs> so NLP was for me a way of trying to get the enjoyment out of riding without having the nerves, even when I had people watching me and people watching me, you know, go wrong and all the rest of it. Could I still just smile and actually have a ball and have an absolute blast as I go around? So in terms of the mind, why do we compete? Well, competitions are something that we actually kind of get addicted to. And I suppose in the same way we get addicted to riding, a lot of people will ride a horse that they find difficult to ride in some way and they will keep plugging away. And it's the same with competing it's the excitement of the challenge and it's a human condition that we we like a challenge and we do easily become addicted to things and we do easily spark off a habit of 
repeating things, even though we may not find it that enjoyable. It's that time when we do get it right, when we do have the enjoyment, when we do have the success that kind of propels us into the next competition. And what's then happening in the mind for us to continue, whether we have nerves or not, the mind works on very much a reward, expectation, punishment style of system. So let's think if you have a reward, so if you find that you've done a round or you've competed successfully, and by successfully, I mean your own measure of success, whether that's going in, doing your best, having a good time, not necessarily being in the ribbons, but you may have been, then when we feel that success, then we get a rush of feel-good chemicals, including things like dopamine. And that feels incredibly good to our human selves. And we also get a rush of those kind of chemicals when we finished. So sometimes just having ended the day, we've got through the ordeal, we will also have that dopamine rush. And that dopamine is the addiction part of it because we love that feeling. We thrive on that feeling and it's really strong and it persuades us to compete all over again. It persuades us that we need to go and do it again. And so riders who set quite realistic expectations will enjoy a dopamine hit when they think about meeting that expectation. So in other words, they haven't done it, they're just thinking about it, it's inside their head. As they think about their realistic expectation, what could realistically happen in a really positive vein, then they're also experiencing dopamine. So it doesn't matter whether you are thinking about doing it or you're actually doing it, you will still feel quite good because you've got these feel-good hormones going around. And if our expectations aren't met or that the expectations were in some way unrealistic, then the mind withdraws the dopamine. So that's our kind of punishment side of it. So the mind says, oh, hang on, we've not done as well as we thought. There is no dopamine rush. There's no dopamine coming out. And this is a punishment and we don't like that. So you don't feel anywhere near as good as when the dopamine is affecting your body. But that cycle will continue because we want some more dopamine. So we'll set an expectation and just the thought of doing it and the thought of being there and the thought of, you know, experiencing some kind of success will drive us on because as we're thinking about it, we're getting the dopamine hit and then we go and do it. And if we do do it, we have even more dopamine. And so we're, we're motivated. Of course, we're very motivated to go out and compete. But you can see that it's, it's kind of like we're at the mercy of these chemicals in the nervous system that also impact many other cells in the body. So how on earth can we stop, maybe just kind of take a step back and think about this reward, expectation, punishment, how can we stop it cycling? 
And getting rid of that punishment aspect is, is key here. And I suppose it's going to depend on the rider and the horse and the partnership and so on and the facilities that you've got. But it might be that the goal is lowered in a way. So you prevent yourself from going into these unrealistic expectation cycles. So you decide that maybe your goal for that particular competition is to have, you know, wonderful rhythm, whether it's dressage, it's show jumping, it's showing, whatever it is, that you're going to concentrate on that. And other things don't matter so much. And so when you get to the end of the day and you've had the rhythm that you liked, then that's a winner. Or you concentrate on the calmness of your horse or the calmness of yourself. And it doesn't matter how you get through that competition. What matters is, did you remain calm or did you keep the horse calm? And so these smaller goals will give you that dopamine and also set the expectations just a little bit lower so that we don't need to get the red ribbon, but that we're also getting the dopamine and we're, we're moving forwards, small steps, but we're still moving forwards. When the expectation is lowered, you start to feel far better because you achieve those mini goals so much more frequently and they obviously build up and they string together. The next aspect that I'd like to talk about is fight or flight because obviously this is our instinct. This is built into our hardware of the brain and the response is there to get us out of a fearful situation. So it's very much our primary and automatic way of helping us to avoid real danger. And it's driven from the survival part of the brain. And, and that's what the brain is trying to do at all times. The very primitive part of the brain it is really just looking for survival survival of you and therefore survival of the human species and it's it's that kind of low level and it's that clear cut it's not thinking about oh i wonder if i'll come second or first in my show jumping round it it's just simply thinking we need to survive we need to survive and so it aims to keep us alive but it's important for us as riders to remember that that response does not need to be switched on. It doesn't need to be primed. You don't need to have an undercurrent of fear. Your fight or flight will help you in the moment that you need it. It's instantaneous. It will switch on immediately. And sometimes knowing that, that you don't need to be on the alert, you don't need to be highlighting to your mind or your body that you want some extra help here if anything should go awry, you don't need to do that. It's there to protect us, it's there to get us out of danger. And if you have ever been on a horse where you've needed to react quickly, and maybe the horse has just stumbled or maybe the horse has just spun or something like that, you automatically respond. Your body is able to automatically rebalance you as best it can. And so your mind has kicked in. It's directed your weight. It's directed what to do with your hands and legs. It's directed you immediately and got you out of trouble 
as I say, to the best of its ability. And that's an automatic response. And that happens in the moment when you need it. Whereas if we contrast that with fear and anxiety, fear and anxiety are secondary responses. So in other words, they don't really protect us. In fact, they tend to hinder us. They hold us back a little bit. Because if you think about how you feel when you're fearful and all the things that happen with your physiology, maybe butterflies in the stomach or your hands get heavy or maybe your hands simply don't move and they get too light or maybe your legs go to jelly and you don't use your legs. Maybe you can't move. Maybe, you know, the the kind of seat aids just become something very, very theoretical. You can't actually move very well and you forget all about them. So having the fear and anxiety doesn't really give you an edge unless you're really good at channeling it into something else. Some people can do this. Some people can use that that nervousness, that adrenaline. They can use it and call it excitement. Having you excited now may or may not be good for your horse. So for instance, my horse Lottie, by the time we were competing very, very regularly, she would be so laid back that I had to gear up. You know, I had to get her going because otherwise she would she would have done the course in walk. So I needed to have that little bit of excitement just to get her going. But a lot of other horses, that is not a good response. They they need it to be calmer. And again, I suppose it's the style of riding that you're doing as well. If you need higher energy then maybe that excitement is a good thing. But if you need a lower energy, maybe if you're thinking about dressage and precision, excitement isn't necessarily a good emotion. So thinking about channeling it, as I say, it is quite a challenge to do that. And it's far, far easier to get rid of those secondary emotions of fear and anxiety than to try and place them into another part of your body, for instance, into helping you have better physical ability when riding. So we've also talked previously about using the nerves and relabeling them as being excited or excitement. And you may or may not find that useful. As I said, depends on the horse, depends on the discipline, depends on what emotion you want your horse to be in. How about then looking now at the focus that we have when we compete? And it's really common, lots of people talk about controlling the controllables. And it's kind of more difficult to do that in the competition atmosphere because your focus is drawn away from the controllables. But if you can think about it before you do the competition, well before you compete, then sometimes it's a good exercise to do at home to think about where you want your focus. So I mentioned before that when we lower our expectations, when you think, oh, I just want to achieve X. And X could be a certain percentage on a dressage score. It could be a clear round in show jumping or cross country. It could be a calmness of you, calmness of your horse. When we do that, we are applying 
a focus then. And that's really useful. What's exceptionally useful is what's called the bubble exercise, where you draw two circles on a piece of paper, one inside the other. And on the inner circle, you write down all the things that you want to control and focus on. So in a schooling session, it it could be your position, it could be your seat aids, it could be your leg aids, it could be your hand position, it could be something as fine as that. Obviously in a competition, it, it may be something completely different because you're no longer schooling, you're thinking about the competition. On the outside circle, you write down the things that sometimes take away your focus but things that you can't control or don't need to think about. So for instance, it could be at a competition, the judges, or it could be the people who are watching you, or the horses being led up and down besides the ring, or horses in an adjacent ring. So you can do that so that you know exactly what you are going to focus on. And those other things you're going to defocus on, which is really nice to be able to do that because it kind of gives you just one or two things to think about rather than, oh my goodness, what's the weather going to do? Is it going to be really windy? How many people are going to be watching me? Who's going to be watching me? Is so-and-so going to be there? What kind of arena is it going to be? What about the banners around the arena? All of these things that you can't control but could be in your focus, taking away the focus from what you're actually doing, could be really detrimental. So if you think about this exercise, it's really useful for you to be able to do that and to learn to focus on just two or three things and really place your attention onto those three things. It helps take away the focus from the other things. Now, a human is said to be able to focus on around about an average of seven things at once. So if you think about riding, you wouldn't really want to be thinking about seven things at once. But if you could concentrate on three at once, that would be really good. And that would be really doable. So do your bubble exercise for schooling, do it for hacking, do it for all different situations and then do one for competing which will be completely different in most cases because the outside atmosphere and so on will be different to your home atmosphere. And if you struggle because your focus is drawn to something in particular at competitions So for instance, when you think about things that tend to only be at competitions like flower pots, maybe there's a water tray or the bystanders or or whatever, then again, we want to try and limit the fact that this is pulling our attention in that way because there's no use to that. There's no help in us doing that. Then again, what we need to do is to get our focus away from that by focusing on something else. One thing that you might like to try, and again, 
try it at home. Don't try it for the first time at a competition. Try it at home. Use it multiple times. Figure it out for yourself. Get your own style. And that would be to do some mindfulness whilst you're riding. And one thing you can do is to jam the signal of your mind constantly saying, look at those flowers, look at that water tray. What about jump number seven? Oh my goodness. When I was competing once, there were guinea pigs out just by the arena. So my attention was on these guinea pigs. So (laughs) you may have something like that. So instead of drawing your attention, you're going to do a kind of running commentary. And the running commentary is on what you are doing in that moment. So you're telling yourself, almost like an instructor, but even more detailed because it is constant. You're telling yourself which leg aid you're using, which hand aid you're using, where you're looking. You're telling yourself about whether the horse is more on its hocks or more on the forehand. You're you're describing the situation as you see it and you feel it in that moment and also how you're correcting it, how you're maintaining it, what your next movement will be. And this helps you to focus very, very much on you and your horse and what's happening. So you're talking yourself around and it helps you to defocus on the things that you don't need to focus on or would be better if you didn't focus on. And so it's almost like a kind of micro coaching of yourself, telling yourself what to do, where to go, what you're doing next, so that you can maintain your composure whilst you're at a competition. The last thing that I want to talk about is after the competition. So as soon as you've done the competition, why not have a go at writing down everything that went well? Even if you feel disappointed with the way the day has gone or the way your particular round has gone, then there will be positives. There will be. And what's happening inside your mind is that we're great at deleting the positives if we've not had the overall outcome that we want or if we got the outcome, but we still don't think we performed very well. So write these down, write down what went well. See if you can get five or 10 of them because you will be able to do. You will have been able to do at least that number. It's just simply that our mind filters those out. Our mind is set up to be a bit negative and it will filter those out or it will distort some of the good points. It'll say, well, that was a fluke or that's dead easy. Everyone should be able to do that. Bring them back into your awareness. Write them down. And you can also then think about whether you need to update your bubble with your focus and what you're going to defocus and forget about. Keeping this kind of journal or diary helps you with your schooling, helps you also to see that there are positives that you can take from each and every outing. And if there are issues yet to deal with, then reclassify your expectations. Do they need to be lowered for next time so that you avoid disappointment and you avoid this constant expectation, reward and punishment? And can you allow your goal to be just a little bit smaller, knowing that you are making headway towards your bigger goals? 
if you continue to have nerves, then it's really easy to get rid of them or to use a few mindset tools so that eventually you chip away at them and they decrease little by little each and every day. So you could find a mindset coach who deals with things like NLP or hypnotherapy so that you can have a bit of a stronger way of resetting your thinking and give you some really powerful psychological techniques to use on and off the horse. Thanks ever so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Take care and I'll see you again soon. 